Hello, everyone. This is Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. A few weeks ago, fellow podcasters and friends Chad Carlson of Hope College and Brian Bolt with Calvin University asked the imaginative question, would Jesus play soccer? In the podcast Sport Faith Life, which I've linked to in the podcast notes, they've begun this new series where they're reflecting on the aspects and virtues of different sports and asking the question whether Jesus would play them or not. The first sport? Ah, it's fitting. Soccer, football, as it's better known around the world. Well, today I'm going to reflect on their reflections and offer a few of my own as to whether or not Jesus would have played soccer back in the day. I'll be right back to dive into this fun topic right after this. He's found the space and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post almost made him in and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle and what a goal! What a goal! So let me just begin by saying that I believe if Jesus were to participate in any sport, from what we see about his life and ministry, it would most likely have been surfing, based on the account of him walking on the water that we read about in Mark 6 and John 6 as well. Now, some might argue that it might be boating or fishing, but we either see Jesus sleeping in a boat or he's asking someone else to fish. But I digress. Let's talk about Jesus and footy. So out of the gate, I like Chad Carlson's first explanation of why Jesus would play soccer. His reasoning? He says, in soccer, time counts up. And with stoppage time, you never know quite how much time you have left until the game is over. How theological. Just a quick comment here. Yes, depending on your eschatology, which is a fancy word for the theological study of what happens at the end of life, at the end of time, soccer does wonderfully mimic much of Christian belief around the end of time. We know that the game comes to an end at some point. As Christians, we believe that time, as we know it, will eventually come to an end. Heaven and earth will pass away. A new creation, a new thing will happen. As people of faith, though, we don't know exactly when this will happen, much like the end of a football game, a soccer game. But we do know that God the Father has appointed a time. In other words, much like the referee in the middle of the pitch knows how much time is left on the clock, so too God is keeping time, and he knows when the final whistle will blow. Now, there are variations of eschatological thought. We can even see some of this mimicked in the game. For a game that goes into extra time, we can see a shorter span of time, and that time divided in half even. Well, I I don't think Chad went as deep as into the theological parallels here, but there are many. Closely tied in, Brian Bolt also commented in his first comment on time and the fact that it continually runs. In soccer, time continually flows and action is ongoing. Like life, there are very few built-in stops. That was Brian's sort of comment for his his first reason why Jesus would play soccer. Uh, You know, Brian's observation is one of the things I like most about the sport of soccer. The clock is always running. As opposed to other sports where time keeps uh, stopping or on certain plays or with certain rules, or, or even in other sports where there is no clock, It's here that I think soccer closely mimics life. We make comments all the time about how the clock is ticking, quote unquote. We might say this in reference to our age, to our bodies, or to other aspects of life, but we see this movement in life and in our world. Time continuously runs, or we might add the old cliche, time waits for no one. 
So let's move quickly on. Brian's second reason for why Jesus would play soccer, a bit of a stretch for me. He reasons, well, you can't use your hands in soccer. This makes the game harder than it has to be, but doing hard things is good. Okay, so what do we do with this one? Does Jesus do things that are hard just for the sake of making them more difficult? Does he ask us to do hard things just for the sake of it being harder as well? Well, I think this is a little bit of a slippery theological slope if we're looking at it, but remembering that this is more of a fun exercise than establishing a rigorous theology, let's look a little bit more closely at what Brian's saying. Does Jesus really choose to do things the harder way? In some aspects, I agree with Brian's potential assessment here. As a follower of Jesus, I've often wondered why, of all the epics in history, why did Jesus choose to come, live his life, and face the cruelest form of death as he did at that point in history? Jesus could have chosen a different moment in time, a different moment in the history of humankind to come to earth in terms of suffering and death and what he knew needed to happen, but he did not. Jesus doesn't seem to opt out for the easy way or the easy road. So there's something in that that moves me. There's something in that that encourages me. But would this be a motivation for Jesus to play the sport of soccer? Well, I often think that in sport, we do love a challenge, right? But part of the beauty of sport is that it transports us to a time and place where some of the typical things of earth are suspended. We do find joy in the challenge. So Maybe as I talk this out a bit more, I can see where Brian's going and I can kind of align myself. But, uh, you know, I do believe soccer to be one of the more difficult sports because foot-eye coordination is so different and perhaps I would say more difficult in some of the moves from hand-eye coordination. And just even consider what goes into a, a header goal off a corner kick, the timing, the coordination. There's a certain level of difficulty that is quite difficult to match or even assess across other sports. So maybe Brian's winning me over a bit on this one. And, and, and I haven't even mentioned things like a bicycle kick or scissors kick. The, the way that you have to, uh, the ball just has to be in the right position. And, and only the elite and best athletes can really pull these things off. Uh, sometimes a, a kid that doesn't mind uh, doing this over and over again and landing on his, on his back or his side uh, could also do that. But anyways, I, I think that there's something to be said for uh, a challenge in our sport. Although I'm not quite sure I'm there yet, Brian, on this one. Well, next up, Chad reasons almost the direct opposite. And maybe he's being a little bit cheeky here as he believes Jesus would have played positionally as goalkeeper. Jesus' personality, as Chad puts it, is being savior or saver, as Chad puts it. Again, remembering this is a good, fun conversation. It brings up memories of a t-shirt that was popular back in the 90s. It has a graphic of a, a soccer goal and a diving messiah wearing goalie gloves with the words, Jesus saves. Well, besides that t-shirt being borderline sacrilegious, I don't know if we can exactly equate the salvific nature of Jesus with the game time duties of a goalkeeper. In the spirit of the game, I think Jesus might more so play a role where the qualities of his perfect nature might have less of an impact on the game. You know, if Jesus were to play goalkeeper, then certainly the other side would never win the game. Because even if the team could get to penalty kicks, Jesus would perfectly save even the most difficult of shots. I'd like to think that Jesus would play the 10, maybe setting up others with perfect passes or scoring the occasional galazzo. Or maybe Jesus would play out on the wings, able to tirelessly run. He can serve crosses, no pun intended, into the box time and time again for his teammates to rise to the occasion. 
Whatever position we might imagine Jesus to play, though, I think we need to balance the characteristics of Jesus's nature as close as we might humanly suppose, his perfection balanced with his shared desire for others to share the joy of the game as much as he does. Well, moving on from there, Chad's uh, final rationale for why Jesus might play soccer has to do with the need for discipline. He puts it this way, in soccer, discipline and fitness help, but what really matters is scoring a goal. In the Christian faith, spiritual disciplines help, but what really matters is the cross. Now, to be honest, I like where Chad's going here, and I think of of a near parallel from my time around professional football. Back when I was a PR guy for the Colorado Rapids, we had a, a famous footballer, Carlos Valderrama, or El Pibe. He was a Colombian, and he finished his playing career with our team. Carlos, playing for us at age 40, 41, he wasn't going to run anyone off the field, but he still had a knack for a clever pass, and the things he could do offensively still managed to hurt opponents. Now, it's atypical for a 40-year-old field player in professional soccer, but Carlos would still do just enough with his feet and his mind to be worthy of the minutes out on the pitch. So to Chad's point, the, the disciplines and fitness are important. But in the sport of soccer, there are some things that transcend pure athleticism in the game. And these things are as meaningful, if not more. Assists, goal scoring being among some of those. I'm a little bit surprised that Chad didn't make any puns out of the crossbar. But maybe he was feeling a bit convicted with the whole Jesus saves thing. Now, the final argument comes from Brian about why Jesus might play soccer. And it has to do with the slide tackle. In Brian's opinion, the... Quote, timing and skill of tackling is the ultimate moment in the game. It's theological, almost. Well, Brian, the only thing that I can say after thinking about this for the past few weeks is that I disagree. Now, true, slide tackling is an art form, but as a defensive measure, it's not always the best thing in a game. And while Jesus might pull off the perfect slide tackle, there are other moments in the game that might prove to be more ultimate, quote unquote. Again, I think bicycle kick goal, scissor kick goal, or a goal scored off a free kick or corner kick, also known as an Olympico, tend to be more pivotal moments in my mind. Even the glancing header for a goal, something that defenders can often do, requires a coordination and timing that are difficult to master. So if I do a quick look back, it seems that out of the six separate rationales offered here by Brian and Chad for why Jesus might play soccer, I agree in part or in whole with three of them, maybe four. So what I want to quickly do is offer just a few more reasons why I think Jesus might play the sport of soccer and offer those for you right now. Guys, to be honest, and I'm speaking to Chad and Brian here, I think you missed the biggest and most obvious one. Jesus would have played soccer because it's a team sport. Jesus himself has invited us into the shared task of being part of his team, of being identified with him. Look at even his selection of the disciples. He had 11. And yes, I'm excluding Judas because he was a traitor. I often joke with a friend of mine, what formation would you most like to see played in heaven? His reply is a 4-4-2 with Jesus in goal. But I see Jesus more on the sidelines from the fact that he ascended into heaven and he's left us with the task of the match, quote unquote, to be played. We know the outcome will be a win. And sometimes as a reflective practice, I'll ask Christian friends and coaches that I know, uh, I'll ask them, where would you see the apostles filling in different roles and positions on the field? In fact, if you go back to our last podcast of 2020, 
Valor Christian head coach Brian Schultz and I undertake this little exercise of placing Jesus' disciples into formation. It's a fun little endeavor. But beyond the disciples and Jesus' starting 11, so to speak, the point is God invites all of us into his creative endeavor of work. And there's a creative licensure to use the uniqueness of our gifts, our individuality, toward the express purpose of the shared outcome of winning the game. Well, this plays into my second rationale for why Jesus would have elected to play soccer as a sport, because not only does the aspect of time and its continuous flow mimic life, but even the arrangement of the field and the dynamic way in which the game is played. Think about it. Most sports move in one direction and are more or less static. I'm thinking specifically of American football here and basketball. Now, soccer in some respects is similar, but playing backwards is an acceptable form of moving the ball around, and the ball continues to move 99% of the time with little pause or delay. So too in life, we often retreat or need to retreat into spaces, or we give up the ball, we hoof it forward to, to clear it and catch our collective breath, the timing of our runs, the pacing of our play, usually all these things are more synonymous with life because it continues to flow, as Brian had mentioned, and the game continues with little to no stopping. And so we have to learn the moments to ease up. And I think both guys touch on this, this idea a little bit in their pod, but without developing out the full-blown idea because the clock, because time is continually moving. The soccer athlete must pace his self or herself accordingly. And I think the parallels with life would be something that would make soccer favorable for Jesus. Okay, last one. And I touched on this briefly just a moment ago, but it has to do with individual creative expression. Throughout time, the game has been elevated or transformed by certain individuals. They've shown a mastery for the game. Names such as Pelé or Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, they come to mind. Dutch footballer Johan Cruyff is also one such person. The Cruyff turn, or sometimes simply known as the Cruyff, is one of the most famous and widely emulated and learned moves in soccer. It's a clever way of evading an opponent and speed. There are many others who have left a stamp or mark on the game, from gravity-defying leaps and kicks in the air to bending shots or, or passes to some earthly form of perfection. So many athletes in the beautiful game have been able to cultivate their craft in unique ways that I think in many ways these simply point back to the glory of God in his creation of humanity. And I think this ability for an individual to be an individual, but to still contribute toward a greater good, is one of the most endearing aspects of the beautiful game. Well, friends, we're running short on time, so I'll save my response to Chad and Brian's reasons for why Jesus wouldn't play soccer for another podcast. But I want to close this out with a prayer. Lord Jesus, would you play soccer? We read in John's account that you took on flesh and you made your dwelling with us. And as Eugene Peterson so wonderfully put it, you moved into the neighborhood. And I have to believe that being in the neighborhood, the global neighborhood, would find you with a ball at your feet, inviting all of us into the beautiful game. Lord, thank you for giving us the beautiful game. Help us to keep it beautiful and free from corruption or deception or the other aspects of fallenness as best as we can. And whether you might play the 10 or the 7 or the 1, help us all to realize that you are the one, the one who's come to save us and come to give us life and joy, a joy found solely in you. Amen. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Rev Brad coming to you from the Touchline.